Hello and welcome back to the LIBF Financial Advisor podcast. This episode looks at the upcoming budget and what this means for financial advisors. We're joined by the usual podfathers, David Owen from Lifetime Connect and Martin Clark from Landmark IFA. Amongst more serious matters, the podfathers touch on Elon Musk investing in Bitcoin, the cold weather, David's love of an Udi, and whether it's a good time to buy stocks in Superdrive. If you're interested in staying ahead in the world of banking and finance, subscribe to our podcasts by searching LIBF Podcast in your chosen podcast app or listen to us online at www.libf.ac.uk forward slash podcasts. Now, let's get on with it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 10 of well, actually, it'll be the final Podfathers, won't it? Next time it'll be Pod Folk. I think we've we've described. We're going to have a new member of the team next week, so I'll, I'll, we'll talk about that shortly. But uh, my usual uh, colleagues and Podfathers are here. So, Martin Clark, hello to you. How are you? How's the weather treating you today? The weather's very cold, John. Actually, con- considering, as I say, I picked the, the the coldest day in eleven years to have a new boiler fitted. So uh, <laughs> at, the, at the moment, I can just about feel my feet. <laughs> can i just say martin um it's so cold and obviously our, our listeners don't get this benefit but we're on zoom and we can see each other i can actually see your breath bless you I, I really hope that your your boiler technician gets that opportunity soon because it is damn cold and and mr owen your neck of the woods how are you very well thank you very much i went for a lovely walk slash run in the snow this morning it was oh, absolutely yes. stunning you know you woke up everywhere was white over snow in the trees everything it's, it's beautiful and i'm sitting in a room I, I am sweltering martin i hate to rub it in it must be at least 25 degrees it's lovely yes thanks david that's all but we bought we bought absolutely a great thing my, my son bought a thing called a this is top financial tip for anybody listening a thing called an udi and uh, what well, Udi, if, if you don't live in my part of the world, you probably call them an Udi because you can't pronounce double O. But what <laughs> you, you can do is you, if, you, if you use your favourite web browser and search for them, they're an Australian idea. I think it's for Aussies when they get out of the water, uh, you know, when they do things like, you know, sort of not being, you know, sports like not trying to be eaten by a shark. Uh, and they get back on the beach and they're obviously very surprised they're still alive. They put one of these things over and it's like a big fluffy furry thing with a hood like a hoodie but solid and it's fluffy honestly it's amazing it's you look a bit of a knob when you wear it but when you step outside at night to lock the garage um it, it does the job oh it does the fantastic thing yeah highly recommend you for working at home you can switch the heating off and save a fortune well, obviously in, uh, in and we're both in shirts today dave obviously we've had official business to be done today haven't we so mm. the, the, unlike martin who is in six layers of of Clothing at the rest, try to keep yourself warm. Not great. How's your? Will your plant survive the cold though? <laughs> it, it will. Yes, yeah, it's a, It's got enough light from the window. <laughs> that survived about fifteen years. That plant. So yeah. <laughs> it would be shame for it to fall at this hurdle, Marzi. I think. <laughs> I know you all think it's plastic, but it's, but you. You'll know it's that's got covered more of that painting the more podcasts we do. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting there. 
Brilliant. Oh, it's so great to have you guys back, I have to say. Um, and what I will say is that for our next um, next podcast, when we get round to it next month, um, we're going to have a new member of the team, which will be Nicola Barker, a new fellow of the LIBF, and somebody that Martin's worked with closely in the past, and she knows Dave very well, and I've known her from Nationwide as well. So she's very well known to us. So I promise you it'll be a a, a, a short, sharp shock when she's when she starts with us, but we're we're all looking forward to it, aren't we, guys? Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. Yes, so might, have be, to, might have to behave ourselves a bit more, but there you go. I'm, afraid, <laughs> I'm afraid we can be a slightly less laddish. I'm afraid, although in fairness, Nicola doesn't pull her punches either, does she? No, God no. <laughs> she taught me all I know. <laughs> Brilliant. So anyway, what we're going to talk about today, I think we've pretty much agreed that um, we're going to talk about exactly what we said we weren't going to talk about last time, which is trying to fathom out what might be coming up in the in the budget. But um, bear with us. There's some method in the madness here because things are becoming, I think, a little bit more pertinent in the economy and things that didn't seem to be very clear about a month ago are starting to become a little bit more clear, don't you think, gents? I think so. I think so. I think it's... The bit, you know, we, I keep saying this, it's difficult to guess, but um, that two trillion and, and counting national debt somehow has got to get paid away. Hmm. Definitely. I mean, that's something that you, we can't ignore it. I don't think we can ignore it. But I think we, you know, we, we were sort of discussing this via email yesterday and the day before. And certainly, you know, the uh, government want to avoid breaking their manifesto promises but at the same time they need to recoup those funds don't they martin it's something that um, is becoming more and more apparent um but of course they don't want it you know do they want to introduce measures that are really quite um difficult for the public to swallow at this stage or is it something they'll they'll bring in slowly in stages what do you think well i think i think a lot of people uh, you know there's a lot of speculation around this john as we know but <clears throat> a lot of people are thinking that not much will happen this time round, you know, and it might be, you know, the, it might be the autumn, it might be next spring, but as, as Dave quite rightly says, you know, but when we're talking manifesto promises, they were made in a different world, weren't they, with, with a different time, you know, and, uh, you know, we, in some way, shape or form, you know, uh, we, we've got to level the books somehow, and whether that's, you know, however many years that's over, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's got to be done. But as you said, whether they dive straight in now, um, I'm not quite so sure. Might be some small tinkering now and, uh, you know, just paving the way for the future, I would have said. Fair point. Dave, what are your thoughts? Um, I, I liken it, John, to um, a game of chess. I'm, I'm not very good at chess, by the way. You know, uh, <laughs> I used to have this mad uncle who used to submit to, to me to the, his fourth Panzer Division move and all this sort of stuff. He was... It was a complete fruitcake. Anyway, I always used to lose. But my, so my strategy on chess was just to stay still and do nothing. And I think that's how we're going to feel with this budget. In other words, what we're going to do is we're going to, if you don't do anything interesting with your money, you're going to be largely okay. Because what, what could he do? He could, he could freeze all the personal allowances. Um, a good one, as we know, is messing with national insurance because that's not a tax, is it? Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. You know, so he can mess with national insurance, but he can leave the personal allowances how they are, and that therefore, you know, obviously it's a, it's a real it's a real increase. Then what he could do then is um, so for for most taxpayers they won't see that much immediate difference, but as soon as you go, you could get them as soon as you go to dispose of an asset, 
they've got you. Mm. Um, it might be a popular choice. I don't know if to get people for buy-to-lets even more. Mm. And that comes into capital gains tax. There, there was talk a while ago at something, an estimated billion pounds in unpaid taxes of people owning buy-to-lets who didn't disclose the fact that they got buy-to-let and buy-to-let income. And we know they've improved the computer system. There's a lot of clever AI and all that sort of stuff that goes on there uh, to see what people owe, uh, own and therefore catch them out. So now that they know more about what we owe, own, sorry, they can then create cause in a, a situation where we owe a lot more. So I can see that way, one way of paying off the debt, selling a business. Um, we've got all the different release entrepreneurs relief and stuff like that. They could really hit that. Um, so the capital gains tax, the other one, I think corporation tax, I can't see them impacting that too much because, you know, do companies deserve any more strain that, that they've got currently? Mm. So I think it's it's disposal disposal of anything, and I see it is the way in which they'll get you. And we've been talking about for ages. I mean, oh, Martin's the IHT expert, but I know on pensions as well, it's gone on forever. You know, we've all said since, mm. you know, my case, 1987, get money in your pension because the Chancellor's going to get rid of the tax relief. And this could be the thing. And, you know, there's been talk for ages. You know, just had a situation earlier. It's, it's a cracking case study if anybody wants it. This is sort of Martin will know the answer to this one. So you've got somebody who died, and when they died, their pension was worth the same as the lifetime allowance. Now, the pension transferred to the wife, but what, by the time it was all done, it was worth more than the lifetime allowance. And now there's a tax charge. And that, when you think the sheer complexity, all people in these hardships now, if you do, you know, if you do a, a drawdown from your pension and it has an impact on what you can put in and you've got a workplace pension and it over contribute. It's just complex. It's just so complex. So pension simplification really would be no pensions and just giant ISIS. Uh, and and to do that, it, you know, we know that most of the people who use pensions are the wealthiest people, and it's a small proportion of society that get the maximum tax relief and all that sort of stuff. And do the conservatives need to at this point really pay play too much to their their voting public? I mean, they haven't got mm. much of an opposition. We'd like them to have. Mm. So you know, I can I can see them getting away with a lot. Uh, f like I say, once again, around the skirts of uh, finance. Mm. Must have been, um, Martin, obviously, you've been working in both of these areas over the last few years, you know, certainly in Harrison Tax, but, you know, more recently, uh, very heavily in, in the pension area. And obviously, when we talk about people coming up to retirement and at that retirement area, such a huge expanding market, you know, all of us getting older and, you know, where the wealth sits, you know, advisors coming into that with some form of simplification for clients that, that I would have thought that would have provided them with a bit of an advantage actually going forward. What do you think? Without a doubt. I mean, you know, we're, we're all old enough to remember a day when that first happened, you know, and that was that, that was the start of pension simplification as it was, which, you know, that, that should have been sued under the trade descriptions act, that one, but, uh, you know, <laughs> and, and then, yeah. you know, the, the recent sort of pension simplifications and, you know, the, the retirement pathways as they call it now, um, as Dave described, there are so many different variants of what a client can do now that, you know, a, a, lot, of the, a lot of the product providers now are at the point where they're saying, look, if a client wants to draw funds out of their, you know, money out of their pension, um, they won't do it unless the person's taken advice. You know, there, there are some providers now that are saying, no, I'm sorry, we won't do it. 
you need to prove that you've taken advice. Before. And these are some of the, the very large pension providers, which, you know, is, it creates, a, it creates a, an issue for some of the advisors, really, purely because, uh, one, you know, if you've, it, this, is, this is a first point of advice as far as the FCA are concerned. So it means, you know, a lot of work has to be done if someone wants to start to access their pension fund, particularly for the first time. Okay, so, you know, we have to make sure that there's a good cash flow model in, in place so as the client knows how long it's going to last, if it's going to last them, you know, at all. Um, you know, a really in-depth fact find needs to be done to understand the client's position. There's lots of work, um, but some of the funds are relatively small. So, you know, there, there might be sort of 50,000 in a pension, 60,000. And, you know, I, I feel sorry for the client and for the advisor in situations like that, because you've got a lot of advisors that really won't want to charge the client what it actually needs to pay them to do that sort of work at, at that sort of time. You know, and uh, really sort of the regulator stroke government have put, put clients in a very difficult position with that one, because it's, you know, it's who gives the advice on the small pots, you know, and, mm -hmm. and how does it work? But, you know, really coming back to your question, John, pension simplification or the pension pathways as they are now, if I was an advisor uh, entering the industry now or looking to enter the industry, I would specialise in pension pathways. I would be mm -hmm. specialising in drawdown. Uh, and, and, you know, think all, all the stuff that a lot of advisors have avoided in the past because it was the tricky stuff, you know, and I've always said, if, if you want to make money in the future, make yourself good at the, the stuff that no one else wants to do. So, you know, yeah, that's yeah. what will make you money. But yeah, it is, you, you really, you know, advisors now, first of all, advisors now, if they're planning on staying in the industry for the next five to 10 years, you've got to have level six now. Do you know what I mean? You, you've got to be That's looking right. to, you, you've got to be working towards that now. Otherwise, regretfully, I think there'll come a time where, you know, the regulator might say, if you haven't got this part, then you might not be able to advise on that. And, and they'll start restricting people. Doesn't make, you know, I've always said, you know, exams don't make people clever necessarily. And I'm living proof of that. But, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it does help. And, and, it, and, you know, if you've got the appropriate badge, then uh, it does help. But yeah, people need to be looking at that. To be fair, Martin, I have to say, you know, when you, I've always, I've been saying this for a number of years now that, um, you know, level four to bring the industry up to that level four standard was, was a good move to begin with at that stage, RDR, everybody at level four, it did bring the industry up to a good standard, but that level four today is, is, is still good for parts of advice, but when you specialise in the complex areas, I think you're right. The main event has to be level six because the other thing I always think of as well, when you look at level four, a lot of the advice that general level four advisors will use uh, or, or, or advise on tends to be stuff that the robo-advice companies are nipping at the heels of. They're not there yet, but that's the advice area that they're nipping at the heels at. If you want to be long-term successful, it's looking at the areas that are that little bit more complex that the machine can't catch up with to a certain extent. How, did, how, did, how does that feel to you? Does that sort of... Yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. By the way, sorry, I'm, I'm just taking a layer of clothing off there because um, my boiler must be done now because my radiator... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting there starting to sweat now. <laughs> Obviously, the people listening to a podcast can't see me stripping layers of clothing off there. You'll be glad to know, everybody, you're not watching Martin stripping clothes off. Yeah. And just an eye opener for us. 
the, the sweatshirt, Dave, is super dry. As well as the hoodie, so uh, <laughs> definitely sold the stock. <laughs> I say, but, would you like to tell the super dry story that you told us just before the podcast started, Dave? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's just uh, one of the podcasts I used to listen to. It was a bit like listening over the fence of the madness of uh, retail share buyers, and and it was the Motley Fool. It was a very engaging podcast. And one one of the things they did, they spoke to, they were talking, spoke to the CEO of uh, Super Dry, you know, great backstory, all that sort of stuff. And they were saying, you know, afterwards, they were saying, well, what, you know, when's the best time to sell Super Dry stock? And this expert said, go and buy other clothes manufacturers before. As soon as the cool kids stop wearing it in the over 50s, buy them, sell the stock. So I immediately went out and bought Super Dry, just the, the <laughs> devil in me. Um, but yeah, it's, it's happened to a few brands before. Apparently, as soon as like people, John, are you, you're under fifty, I think. Going, but it's, it's, oh, I'm not, unfortunately. Oh, no, I've got reach that gap. You've, you've clearly slept in Tupperware. But if people of, of, of our age then go out and start buying what the cool kids buy, that's the end of it. Mm, no, it's right. Well, this is why kids don't use Facebook, isn't it? Because adults are using it. That's that kind of thing, isn't it? Really. I think in a lot of there's a lot of, in a lot of respects there's a lot of people that um, that kind of get away with it to a certain extent. Sorry, my somebody's calling me on Zoom. If they can hear anything in the background, I do apologise. You can't hear it, can you? No, it's, it's one of those off-putting things that goes on. Obviously, very popular today um, for some bizarre reason. Uh, so yeah, you're right. I mean, you, you see it on. I mean, I, I saw that. You know, when you look at Facebook and some of the social media stuff out there, kids just don't want to know because they just say, quite rightly, the adults are using it, and I definitely don't want to be on that platform. And they sort of drive into other things. And you were mentioning a new uh, podcast um, app as well, a new Stereo, which looks absolutely fascinating. There's all sorts of new stuff out there. Um, so good. Yeah. Now going back to um, we, you, you mentioned Bitcoin as well, didn't you? So Bitcoin and and. Uh, uh, our old friend, Mr. Musk, investing into that. I, I, what, what's the view of the market on that one? Well, I, I just think, I, I think, you know, we've got to get people excited about finance, hmm. which, you know, is like step one. Uh, I'm just going back to what Martin said, you know, I, got, I, couldn't, I can't agree more. And it, it's interesting, you know, so, you know, having recommended uh, retirement annuity contracts, when people get them through through letters of authorities now, and they, it's like they're holding this alien piece of paper, um, you know, you, you know, through sort of like grandfather knowledge what they were and how they worked, you know, and you, you feel sorry for these people now who, who do the diploma. Mm. And, you know, my, you know, it's this, you've got the diploma, but can you do the job? And I genuinely think that when you get the level six, you can do the job. I mean, that's, that's just my view. But of course, you've got all this knowledge and then can you, can you engage people? And, mm. and if, you know, and the you know the good, the bad, and the ugly of Bitcoin is it's it's massively engaging people. When you get the richest bloke in the world, who puts 1.5 billion into Bitcoin, and says down the line you'll be able to buy my cars with your Bitcoin. Uh, I think the price last time I pro this was something like 32,000 pounds for one Bitcoin was the current trading price, and it was up something like 18% yesterday and about 2% today or something like that. Not as I've got a ticker in my left eye. But so you've got, you know, you, you've got this highly volatile thing that people go into. Now, from what I can work out, because I don't know if you, the, the more you, you delve into it, the more you realize you don't understand. It's one of those. Uh, but it seems to now be the default for gold which is a fascinating way. It's an inflation hedge, long-term inflation hedge. 
which which is which is fascinating but of course our regulator doesn't want retail people to have it recommended through the words the words exchange traded notes you know type of fund that you could invest you know through a fund manager in a, a spread of uh, cryptocurrencies but our own regulator and the u.s regulator don't like them so they've they've closed that off but you know i think it, it Going back to chess, it's a bit of a chess move by Elon Musk now. So as soon as a fund manager says, oh, but we've invested in crypto, uh, then, you know, it's great for him and makes them look foolish. And so I think we're in a bit of a dangerous spot that we might have something that might be a default for gold that, that uh, the industry doesn't embrace properly. But of course, it gets people talking about it. You get these kids who, you know, who ask when I say kids, a friend of mine who's 35, who's a GP, uh, who goes, you know, should I have invested in crypto? And of course, the question is, well, ultimately, what do you want to achieve? Which is a different question, isn't it? You know, it's a different answer. Mm. You know, he, he feels like he's lost money. He isn't talking about the gain. He feels like he's lost money. Mm. Uh, I want to say, when, I, when, when you, uh, apart from the fact I can remember when I thought 35 years old was old, uh, and now we're both, we're all unfortunately surpassed that age. Um, I, I think when you, another Big news item of obviously the last couple of weeks, um, which I think is worth mentioning here alongside Bitcoin, is the instability or instability of the market created by the GameStop. Um, I don't know how you want to call this really, you know, but misguided, I think, is possibly one of those things. And social media getting involved with um, making the markets unstable and people being quite glad the fact that they've destabilized the markets and yet lost an awful lot of money and then everybody following that. Um, I must admit, it did make me see a little bit of red. And maybe should I be annoyed about that? Should I be annoyed about what social media is doing and what you know high-level people are doing to make things difficult for hedge fund managers and and fund managers alike? I don't think so. I don't think so. I just you know, it's a Reddit group, wasn't it? It's a Reddit group that trades stocks and swap information. Mm. So they were trying to give themselves the same sort of information that any other asset manager would have. You know, so they're people whose hobby it is trading. I heard one of them interviewed, they've heard it on the Planet Money podcast. And and this was somebody who, who cashed in his 401k, which is a workplace pension. He cashed that in in the States, plus another £40,000 that him and his girlfriend were saving for a house. They they put all that, it was something like 240000 they they put onto that uh, in a move which is called Diamond Hands, which if you know if Diamond Hand means you're, you're playing a long, a, a long shot at it. And of course, they, they, they effectively, you know, manipulated the market in the same way that anybody else would who, who chuck in a load of money at something. But there was, there was somebody's reputation was burned on it. It was the fund manager all the time who was doing YouTube videos saying this is a crazy thing. And, you know, I'm edging it the other way. I'm going to make a fortune. He lost a lot of money. So I just think it was one of those things. It's noise, you know, to create the great John Bogle. It's just it's just market noise. I think if people are... If, you know, if you're a financial planner, a new financial planner, and you're advising clients and you're doing risk profile questionnaires and you're asking that question, ultimately, what is it you're trying to achieve? And you're working to a financial plan cash flow, what Martin said, and you're doing a well-diversified fund, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. It's well worth talking about, though, I think, because I'm quite certain, because it, it's that kind of financial noise that's being made, like you say, Dave, good you know, it, it is noise. But of course, where clients read destabilized market, hedge fund manager, all these horrible noises that they heard back in 2008 when we had the banking crisis and, you know, they're starting to hear it now. 
in a you know in the situation we're in at the moment clients are going to be naturally upset i would have thought so martin obviously you've you've been seeing all this uh, stuff going on in the background what did you think of it you know i've i've, I've probably been a bit like dave i've kind of uh, not read too much and, and kept out of it i just look at things like that the market will always move on sentiment won't it um, you know, and it's very easy to create sentiment in anything, you know, including the market. You know, just look at, you know, social media at the moment talks about things like, you know, certain people not trusting the coronavirus jab and stuff like that. So as soon as one person doesn't, then they'll stick it on social media and then more won't and more won't. And, and then more people will find more reasons not to. And it will just, uh, and it's, a you know, there, there's never been a, an easier time to actually move the market as there because it's yeah. so easy to create noise around something to make mm. it sort of deflect away from what the reality of the situation really is so it's you know the market it always moves on sentiment i, I come across something interesting over you're going to think i'm really sad now when i say this is interesting right <laughs> <laughs> when we was uh, we, we were said that we would might touch on what we think might happen in the budget or whatever that I, I was on a on a webcast and I came across um, the Law Society's uh, estate planning handbook. I don't know if anybody's been fortunate enough to read that manual. <laughs> but, uh, I'm, I'm very sorry. It seemed to have passed me by, Martin. Please do tell us a little bit more, won't you? <laughs> <laughs> a bit the same wow. as life is passing me by, but so. <laughs> You know, and, and it just... Uh, it, there was a chap on this webinar was talking through um, sort of various aspects of it. And he made a couple of good points about the up and coming budgets. And, and the good points he made were that there's been a lot of things in previous budgets that they've said, right, OK, look, we're going to look at this. But they've shelved them for whatever reason. And, you know, when you can see these things gradually piling up and piling up, you know, and, and there was kind of a list of them. And, and we look at. You know, for example, um, changes to inheritance tax, they, they were looking at potential changes to that. That was in July 2019. Okay. Mm. At the time, they said, tell you what, we promised we was going to leave the nil rate bans till 2021. Okay, so, so, so that's still on the shelf at the moment. Um, CGT, they was looking at changing. That was November 20. Okay, and they was, uh, they was bringing in proposals. You might remember, actually, they was talking about proposals mm. to level that out with income tax, wasn't they? Yes, yes, I remember that. Yes, yes. But that got shelved at that time. And, uh, and then they was looking at the recently the wealth tax. They said, I'll tell you what we'll do. You know, everybody who's got an estate over a million quid, we might charge them 5% or whatever they was going to do in, in a wealth tax, if you like, as mm. a one-off. Mm. That got shelved as well. And you just think, you get to the point where you think, all of these things are just being shelved, but they're, they're not completely put out to grace. And then these are the sorts of things that I think are actually lurking in the background. So when, when Dave made a point earlier of when you sell an asset, that's, that's where I think we might actually get some movement in the budget. Uh, perhaps not this time around, but certainly uh, later in the year. Uh, the, the capital gains tax potential uh, is quite big. Because, you know, and they, they were sort of making some calculations in terms of, um, you know, what difference that could make to the economy if they, if they levelled out CGT with income tax. And it's, it's absolutely huge, isn't it, at the disposal of an asset. And um, they also pointed out that uh, DOTAS, okay, which uh, I always wondered what that actually stood for, Disclosure of Tax Avoidance Systems, okay, they're taking a very, very good look, apparently, uh, business property relief two-year inheritance tax schemes 
as to whether they really feel that they're doing the job they should be doing. So uh, I think if we talk about that, there's a lot sitting in the background that, that, that could pop up. Um, out of expenditure was another one as well. The, out of, the normal out of expenditure, expenditure yeah. inheritance yeah. tax. That was another one where they said, look, if we can give anybody any advice at the moment, it's, you know, make sure you keep records of the expenditure, make sure it's regular, you know, understand the rules. But mm. the overriding thing that this webcast was saying was all of these things we talked about that they might change, they're all perfectly legitimate now. So really get some good planning in place and take mm. advantage of them while they're there. Because, you know, if you don't use them, you'll lose them, won't you? Like, like, all, uh, like all, all sort of allowances. So it was an interesting one, it really was. <laughs> That's definitely, you know, I mean, that plays into what we said last time, which is use your allowances now. Don't don't wait until um, things may change because the allowances are there now. They may not be allowed. The likelihood is they're going to be less around later than more. They're not going to introduce new allowances at this stage. Did they mention anything out, out of interest or has anybody looked in? I mean, I'm not sure whether it's viewed as a tax increase because I don't think it can be. It's more of a levelling of the self-employed regime compared to the employed um, tax uh, rules and obviously that is seen more of a leveling, leveling out of, uh, of income tax rather than it being you know an unfair addition to uh, have you seen any anything else along those lines i think that that's that's continuously being looked at the, the thing that um that i think they're looking at in the greatest depth to try and level those things out is the IR35 rules yeah that they're, they're, they're talking about really to um, you know get a grip of contractors to, to see if really, you know, if they are being paid appropriately in line as if they was employed as well. Mm. So that, that's one that they've said once again is in the background. And uh, mm. I think this year, you know, they've put that off now for two years in a row. Yeah, they, they've said a lot of people have insured themselves as contractors against, you know, uh, the IR35 regime. Um, and, you know, a lot of money's been spent in that. Insurers have done very well considering that nothing's happened for a couple of years. But mm. I think this will be the year that, that they'll bring that in and really start to look at it uh, because, you know, they're employing a lot of staff in the revenue to try and collect some back taxes. So, uh, you know, I, I think they'll have their work cut out this year and really have a good look at it. I'm guessing the politicians' answer around this stuff is that actually it's always been there and it's always been on the cards. It's not new or additional or changes to the manifesto because, as you say quite rightly, it's quite interesting the phrase that is used in that report, which is, they're on the shelf. They have been for a long time. This isn't anything new. Interesting stuff, Dave. What do you think? Yeah, I do. I think I was just thinking what just Marty just said. If you remember, Gordon Brown did that clever move where he gave the opportunity for. See, Marty looked up then. See, I said Gordon Brown and clever move. Like, oh my God, I missed. <laughs> <laughs> if you remember, he gave, he gave people the opportunity. He was the guy, wasn't he? he? Used to get up every morning, look in the mirror, smile, and get out of the way for the day. But anyway, so so he um, and that was somebody who worked with him told me that. But anyway, he he, he so let's say you um, he did that opportunity for people who were self-employed to make themselves into limited companies. And remember, you would get your plumber would become a limited company. And they thought, this is great. I'm going to get the protection of limited. And what, of course, if then he got them in the schedule E thing and they couldn't use their personal bank account then as, as a personal bank account, he got them. Mm. Um, and I, I can see this as being the next sort of evolution of that, of levelling it up. Clearly, it isn't right. Martin's uh, gas boiler guy could come today. If he's employed, he's going to pay more tax than the person who's self-employed. 
and how can that be right? And of course, if you're running a financial advice firm at the moment, that's very pertinent because we've all got an eye on that. I know there's a tool you can do on the HMRC website that tells you what your status should be. But, you know, that, that's now again, you know, it could, it could be different. I could see, you know, it's a good way of raising money. The other thing I was thinking about as well, it's a bit like the boiler. There's a lot of talk and they, they could talk about this at the budget about these schemes to get people in work again. All these people have lost their jobs, you know, awful. Uh, and for giving us all grants to get our, wait for it, Martin, gas boilers turned electric. Because after, after my building inspector neighbour across the road tells me after a certain date, it might only be 2030, no new homes could be fitted with gas boilers. They've all got to have electric boilers. So there's, there's a, you think about the work there is going to be massive. Here's a grant. He's, people are going to come round. They're going to swap your boiler out, going to give you an electric boiler. You know, you've got that. You could do so much things around sustainability now with solar panel grants we used to get in the past. We could have those again. Um, all the infrastructure products, projects now, they could pile a load of money into that. You know, HS2, which could be the country's longest, uh, what is it, the longest viewing platform for people working from home on Zoom watching trains going past. It could be that one. <laughs> I'd love it just to be a cycle lane, really. That would be great. So they could do loads on infrastructure, you know, absolutely loads to create jobs and all that sort of stuff. And the other thing they've got to get around as well, because we haven't been driving. You think about the, the lack of revenue that's being collected. Somehow they've got to get around that. And I know lots of people have all of a sudden become key workers now. There's lots of cars on the road again. But I can't see it returning quite to what it was. And that, that must have a long-term impact. I mean, so much, I mean, really think there's so much you could do. But of course, we've also got the Laffer curve, which was, you remember from your O-level economics, was the Laffer curve is if you charge too much tax, you actually collect, collect rest, less revenue. Yeah. So he's got, you know, we all think he's going to get, he's, he's watching episodes of James Herriot at the moment, and he's, he's been on Amazon and ordered tubes and tubes of KY gel, and he's going to do horrible things to the public. But... He might not be able to do all the things he wants to do. I think his hands are very tied at the moment in, in terms of... Let's hope so. I, 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 <laughs> that goes with a jelly as well, does it, Dave? What we are finding is um, that where people haven't been about and doing stuff, they've actually saved quite a lot of money. Mm. And, and there, there is a lot of money to all in. so it's probably a good time for people to take advantage of things like pension allowances that they've got at the moment and that sort of stuff you know where if you haven't spent the money then why don't you get it in somewhere where you're going to get some sort of relief on it and that sort of thing but I can't believe Dave's always one thing ahead of me I buy a diesel car he gets a blooming electric one and I've just had a gas boiler fit <laughs> Yeah, but I, I, you know, I, I, had a, I had a new boiler done last year. And now he's talking about this. It's exactly the same, Martin, because they're not damn cheap either, are they? Let's be fair about it. And oh, it's, God, uh, well, I'm going to tell you this. We're going to get, you know, when you get that, we, we, a friend of mine works for British Gas and he said, I can get you a discount. So that was it, you know. So uh, we, we thought we'd have a boiler. This was two years ago. And the, the guy comes round and he's like a bit of a salesman for British Gas. He reckoned, you know, he's got a tape measure. So it looked like he was qualified to measure up. Uh, and I said, well, be, I said to him, you know, be, before you were, you carried a tape measure around and worked for British Gas, what did you do? And he said, oh, I, I worked for Coots. I nearly fell over. <laughs> I nearly fell over. So um, it's, it's like re reverse career. But anyway, but he, um, a lovely boat. But I think 
well, I think it's typically you've just got to do what you do, haven't you? You know, if you need a gas bubble now, you know, going back to Martin's point about using your allowances now, you, you have to act now under the information you have. I think it's a, know, it's a really good point. I mean, you know, I was having a conversation with somebody a little bit earlier and <clears throat> playing to Martin's point just a minute ago, people haven't been spending that money. Genuinely, you know, they've saved an absolute bloody fortune. Everybody keeps saying, you know, I've saved money on travel i've saved money i haven't spent money on my holiday and you know all sorts of things that have not spent money on they've been putting money away i think the public have been quite sensible about putting a bit of money away and, and what have you and i think there was um a, a little announcement about a month ago from hargreaves lansdowne saying that they had eighty thousand young people and investing you know new people investing into um assets at that time and they basically weren't getting advice unfortunately but what they were doing was they were using their online systems to to be able to invest you know and, and first into the marketplace which is fantastic opportunity but of course like going back to what we were hearing a minute you know what we were talking about a minute ago with GameStop and all that sort of stuff there, there must be a way to guide those young people because they're the guys they, these are the people who fall in the advice gap if you like that aren't worth the while you know cost wise to get them into seeing advisors but of course right at that point they really do need advice they really need, need that little bit of an education into their first step into the markets i think that's something that there's a trick there really that's being missed i think i think a lot of the trick on a lot of uh, businesses like that and uh, you know i've worked for a very large business that tripped over this and it was uh you know the website itself and the platform itself was actually quite good the website was good at helping people to uh understand what risk was, you know, build their own attitude to risk, you know, you know, select their portfolio. But then when it actually came to investing the money and putting it in, 95% uh, of people stopped at that point because they didn't understand how to actually get to the point where they mm. could physically invest the money. And, uh, and that seems to be a problem with quite a lot of these platforms. A, a few of them are getting better at it now, but it's, mm. uh, you know, I think you're right, John, it's, it's a gap of you know at what stage do these people you know get advice mm. and uh, you know we, we've had many regulators but that have said you know advice you know so it's a bit of a political statement but advice is for the many not the chosen few isn't it you, you know and everybody needs it and the, the stages of life when you need it at the most arguably are when you're at the start because that builds good habits for the future you know, I'm sure most of our, our parents said invest in a pension and we didn't listen to them, you know, and that sort of stuff, you know, and, uh, you know, and, it, and it's when you cut, as we said now, it's when you're at the other end, when you've actually got the money and it's, uh, you know, how on earth do you draw it without causing yourself a tax issue at your pension? You know, so it's, uh, it is all stages of life need advice, but as you said, it's uh, where do they get it from? And we, as we said, I think in a previous podcast, we have got a gap of financial planners joining the industry now. You know, there is an age gap of advisors, isn't there? We've got the, the people that look like us, that, that are sort of, you know, probably five to 10 years left, that one. And then there, there's sort of a fairly big gap in the middle um, where people just haven't come in. So it's, uh, but to me, never a better time to join the industry. I've always said that, never a better time. But, Agreed. you know, the pathway can be quite difficult. Yeah, absolutely. And just, just one thing um, we just, I was talking to somebody about earlier, a financial advisor. I think what's becoming obvious now is where you could make money out of the complexity of pensions, for example. You know, like Marty said, for God's sake, you know, how, how complex do they have to be? And that's great for us. But we'll, we'll, 
if we think about that as it sits in the realm of a financial advisor, if let's say, let's, God knows what happens on the 3rd of March, but let, let's say that pensions are made like ISAs. For a lot of advisors, they'll see that as, oh, can I bring a feedback? Sorry. For a lot, a lot of advisors, they'll see that as a bit of a threat because, you know, what, what am I going to speak to people about? It's, it's going to be so simple. But for those people who are willing to ask people difficult questions, willing to slow the pace down and, and get to the deep questions of people and then to give you know cash flow we call it cash flow but let's face it that, that's just a prop but let, let's say to do proper financial life planning with people it doesn't matter what you implement as long as it's regulated and, and fits their risk profile you can do a lot of good for people and you can charge for it you know because people are then paying you for the financial plan and not the fact that you've sprinkled magic fairy dust over one pension and turn it into another. And I, and I think that's the, the new advisors. I'm really hoping that's what they embrace because they, the people then who can be the small family offices looking after a family and everything. And they don't mind the child putting 50 quid a month in a pension because it doesn't really matter in the scheme of things because, you know, of, of everything that fits there. So the biggest challenge I think for advice firms is, is just the cost of, you know, transacting at the moment, you know, with PI and FSCS levies and stuff like that, that prevents people being able to help people who really need that, really need assistance. Really good point, guys. I'm going to have to wrap this up in a second, but um, top tip for advisors today, thinking about planning for their clients between now and the budget. What do you think? Uh, it's a bit of a tough question. And I'm springing it on everybody here because I'm just thinking, you know, nice final thought really more than anything else around the, the biggest part of what we've been discussing really going through the um you know the, some of the things that might happen in the budget and as we know I, I i if there's one bit of confidence i've got personally is that rishi sunak has a bit of form when it comes to trying to stimulate the market whether or not he got it right for instance the eat out to help out thing and which of course you know it 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 didn't create everything that he'd hoped for. And it did create some, you know, <laughs> some interesting comments as well. But the problem, the good thing about it, and I think initially what he was trying to do was actually based in some, exactly what Dave was saying earlier on around stimulate the economy, get people spending in order to then generate more revenue and therefore more tax and all the rest of it. Whereas, um, you know, it didn't necessarily work out that way. But I think he's got that kind of mindset is my you know i'm hoping and i've got some form of confidence in him that he can think that way but um guys have you got any sort of pearls of wisdom before we head off and uh, and and wait for the budget to hit us i think uh, it's, it's not a pearl of wisdom by any sense but you know if we have a budget in march then we tend to find that whatever changes are going to be there will come in from april onwards so i would be using this time now to sit in front of your clients and understand what they've got and what allowances are still left and use them while you've got them there. That's, mm. uh, that's the most important thing. You Use your allowances. Superb. Dave? Yeah, so I, I, it depends on the model of your business, but let's say you've got, uh, you work with mortgage advisors and protection advisors and you're a financial planner. You're not telling me that all those mortgage clients have got all their finances sorted. And how many people in a business, and you're not telling me that all advisors, I did some office national statistics research once and I worked out that there are even more ISAs out there than there are iPads. So that is some number because there's almost an iPad for every member of society. 
you know, mm. incredible. God knows where they all are. But anyway, so you got that. So, um, but so if you if you think about that, so there's people with ISAs to be transferred, or they've got cash ISAs, and if they've never even done an ISA, they can be done. And I know a lot of older advisors will go, oh my God, my regulator wants me to do 32 pages of suitability report to recommend an ISA. So what? Get it done. We've got to add value because those clients at some point in the future could be in a situation they need more help or whatever. You don't have to put ongoing on it. You don't have to charge a lot, whatever it's assets under management. But let, you know, just do it for people. Let's just, you know, if you've got a client bank of 100 clients, you can speak to them all between now, particularly if we're using Zoom, you can speak to them all between now and the start of the tax or the end of the tax year and, and get stuff done for them. Just do it all, you know, just, and we know a lot of, a lot of people in this profession are very good at like leaving stuff till tomorrow because they've earned a good fee now. They're the richest person in the street and, you know, there's a bit more to be done and I'll do it next time I speak to them. Don't delay. I don't think we can afford to delay on this. We've just got to do everything we can for people. Get everything in order. The house is in order. You know, do a, is it Marie Con, that woman who folds up the socks and makes your bedroom look amazing on Netflix? Well worth watching. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying it, Dave. Japanese woman. Japanese woman. She's brilliant. She's absolutely brilliant. She, you know, she'll, she'll say to you, John, you know, when was the last time you picked up that guitar? Pick it up, kiss it, thank it for its service and sell it. You know, it's that sort of thing. Anyway, so it, it's well worth watching. But anyway, so what she'll do is just get, get, get people to get the financial closets in order and get stuff done. Because I, I genuinely don't think we can afford to leave any client neglected between now and the end of the tax year. I think that's a really brilliant thing to end on, Dave. Thank you so much. And both of you really, you know, fantastic conversation, as always. Great fun to have you both. And um, yeah, you know, I think the, the key message is don't delay. Use those allowances. Get and see your clients and speak to them with and get that level six, get that knowledge going as well. I think those are two really key important messages from, from us today. Um, Dave, Martin, thank you so much for everything you've done today. Um, we will look to do uh, another podcast very, very soon after the budget, because I think uh, we'll see what comes out of it. And then we'll hopefully be able to give advisors some more keen tips on, on the sort of things they can do to help their clients out and what sort of things they can look to to, to really capitalise on where you know the situation is in financial advice. So we'll certainly be keen to do that. And as I say, <clears throat> we'll have a new member of the group uh, along with us for the ride as well, which would be great news. So um, this is John from the London Institute of Banking and Finance, wishing everybody a really fond afternoon. Thank you so much for listening and um, a very warm afternoon. Goodbye. <laughs>